You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hello, Annie here for Showreel. Hope you're all going okay in this COVID land that we're all in at the moment. Showreel's all about filmmaking in Australia and today we are talking to Lucy and Emmett from Too Much World who have started a filmmaking collective on the principle that if you have a story to tell and you want equipment and help then they can offer both in your endeavour to be resourceful filmmakers beginning your filmmaking journey. The aim is to rectify the balance between slick megabuck productions and handmade low finance productions. This is what they had to say. So tell me, uh, Emmett and Lucy, Too Much World, how did it come about? Um, It came about from, I guess, um, we were working already a fair amount with like this idea called Resourceful Cinema um, at the Dead End Film Festival, which Lucy founded and... I ran a few workshops with the Trans and Gender Diverse Film Festival and I guess we wanted, we were interested in um, getting uh, more equipment into more people's hands and that would probably be the germ, yeah, that started it all. So before we go on to what you've actually done, let's talk about resourceful uh, filmmaking Mm -hmm. because that's what this is all about really, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, I guess resourceful filmmaking has probably existed in lots of different iterations throughout history, but um, it's something that me and Charlie, who co-founded the Dead End Film Festival, sort of spoke about as young people who are wanting to make films and coming up against barriers um, to do with, you know, a lot of the films that get accepted into these major festivals like Melbourne International Film Festival and stuff, Sydney International Film Festival. You really do need to have a, a minimum sort of like, you know, $5,000 budget probably to get something that's at the level that they'll um, want to accept. And so we were like, okay, how do we, we we want to make films, but we don't have these kinds of budgets. So we need to um, kind of platform this style that is working in a way that's like a bit more lo-fi and a little bit more messy um, as a way of, yeah, I guess, diversifying the types of stories that get told because if we're only watching short films made by people who have a disposable $5,000, then yeah, we're only able to see stories by a very specific kind of section of um, our society. And so we started, we were making, Charlie and I were making in this style and then we started the Dead End Film Festival, which was all about celebrating other filmmakers from Melbourne and overseas who were also working in that same style. Yeah, so that's kind of a long, a long-winded answer, but it's a set. Resourceless filmmaking is essentially just, um, yeah, a kind of type of filmmaking that um, celebrates and um, champions like a sort of, uh, yeah, lo-fi aesthetic as a way of, um, 
yeah, short circuiting some of those um, cycles that exist in terms of the films that do get made and the stories that get told. So you're talking about limited limited uh, finances, uh, uh, but uh, um, and problem solving, uh, mm. which is basically something that has to be done in order to be able to make a film mm-hmm. uh, that on the spot in your world. Uh, and I guess also being skillful, you know, having skills. So you, you've trained people to um, think in cinema or do you find that people already have that sort of perspective? I feel like there's a lot of people who are, you know, yeah, who have really interesting stories to tell, whether it's just like something that's happened to them in their life or um, maybe they're kind of like creative thinkers, but they don't think that, um, yeah, they'd have like the means or the capacity to make a film. And I think like a lot of the work that um, Emmett's done with the Trans and Gender Diverse Film Festival is really kind of fostering this idea that like you don't have to have gone to film school and you don't have to have access to all this um, really flashy equipment in order to tell an interesting story, like um, that film should be maybe more of an adaptive medium that can, um, yeah, make space for people who just have interesting interesting things to say um, in a way that... Uh, maybe is, yeah, less polished and less refined than what we're used to seeing in the cinema context. Well, it's kind of interesting because uh, I don't know which generation it would have started it in, but um, <laughs> earlier on uh, filmmaking uh, had to create its own vocabulary because mm. uh, it, it was uh, it came out of um, earlier sort of versions of, you know, theatre or books or stuff like that. But now it's on its own legs. It's uh-huh. it's people are quite um, uh, cinema literate. Mm. You'd have to say they have expectations. In fact, I was talking to somebody who came from uh, I think it was Somalia, uh, but he said that uh, at one stage uh, some people had seen some. Uh, footage on TV which they weren't used to mm. and then when, when they did a close-up of the head they actually got shocked because it was like they thought the person's head had been cut off mm. like it was <laughs> horrifying to them yeah. because yeah. they didn't have that literary ex- uh, that uh, filmic experience mm. and so so telling a story is not everybody's good at telling stories. Mm. Um, telling a story visually is another thing altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but now people are actually getting quite literate and uh, able. Um, n- now that you're creating a pool of equipment that people could access, are you finding that people are interested? Are they successful in telling visual stories? in your view? Um, yeah, I think so. I think that even if it was, even if a story or a recreation, like a visual recreation of um, something uh, that was wanting to be said, wasn't um, fitting the bill of like classical cinema or like cinema language, um, that that could still definitely have value and be interesting, I think. Um, I think that um, a lot of my community uh, is also, like, experiencing and connecting things online. I mean, that's every community, I guess, at the moment under COVID and stuff like that. And I think 
yeah, being on the internet is just also an experience of being overwhelmed by imagery and ideas and everything. So I think that, yeah, that definitely there is a pretty broad range of people being able to kind of storytell in a classical way to like um, having capacities that might be a little bit limited and therefore like the form takes a completely different shape. Um, but like, not, I don't think that there's anything that we wouldn't be interested in, I, I guess, um, if someone was to make a film with our equipment, like we would still definitely put it on the website. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, uh, tell me about the uh, equipment. Uh, the equipment, most of it has been either gifted or found. The first piece of equipment was um, this really dingy little tripod that like I found down the side of a... I was living in a bungalow out the back of this share house at the time and someone had just like chucked heaps of trash down the side of the bungalow and I pulled it all out and I found like this, um, yeah, a dingy little tripod in there and um, I cleaned it up and it worked perfectly and I was like, oh, like I need to do this more or like keep an eye out for like equipment on dumps or like at savers or whatever and um yeah that that was the first one and that started off this behavior in me of like hoarding weird bits of equipment that we have so yeah um we have yeah handy cams we've got um a few more handy cams on their way um and also um a, a zoom recorder um and uh yeah a pretty functional like and pretty sound recorder yeah, we've got a sound recorder. Yep, Zoom sound recorder. Yeah, so I th- the the kit is like sufficient for you to make like a full um, like narrative film if you wanted. Yeah, yeah, I was quite impressed. It's a great idea. I mean, it's a little bit like the equipment loan that they used to have at places like RMIT and mm. other things like that. Um, and have you? Uh, is this? Uh, have you had interest? Uh, I mean, obviously you're creating a collective, so part of it is the um, the equipment loan. The uh, and I should add, uh, say that it's inexpensive, as in free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I well, I didn't want people to be like, you know, oh, now you got to pay for hiring crap or shit that was dumped on the side of the road. So like, I was like, Oh, I think it makes more sense to loan the equipment out um, without charge. And but it, it's a kernel. It's a kernel. It's a bit like you're making a pool. You're waiting for other people to bring your stuff as well. So exactly. there'll be this exchange, right? Yeah. And also like, yeah, there's no real, there's no massive reason for us to charge any money and hopefully people can put that money that they would have spent on the equipment otherwise into the making of their film. Like maybe they need to buy food for their actor or whatever for the day or whatever it is. So it's like, yeah, they make a saving on like not renting like from an expensive camera house because you're an early career maker and, you know, you're just experimenting with filmmaking for the first time or whatever you know, don't, I like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's like the wisest idea to spend 5k on your first ever film. Like maybe just hire out like some dingy equipment and give it, you know, Mm, I think that's also interesting about the equipment that Emmett's put together is the type of kind of image 
that those cameras produce, I think really does put into question, yeah, like what we're used to seeing and uh, what kind of, yeah, privileges those images that we're used to seeing in the cinema rely on. Like, um, you know, where if you, if you wanted to hire like a 4K um, HD camera to shoot on, it's going to cost you like a whole bunch of money. So it's also like we're very specifically trying to hire out um, gear that will make work that uh, has a quite a distinctive visual quality that stands in opposition or against like stuff that we're used to seeing to kind of start to get people thinking about um yeah like what sits underneath those images this is stephen pigram from up broomway yarrow country and it's great to be down in melbourne and you're listening to 3cr community radio been here for a long time You're with Annie on Showreel on 3CR, your community radio station. We are chatting with Lucy and Emmett from Too Much World about their filmmaking collective as they invite you to take the step toward making a film yourself. The other thing that you've done is you feature films as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah. The idea is to show a new film each month on the website. Um, uh, Last month we had a film made by um, Bram and Campbell, who were some friends of ours who took part in the Trans and Gender Diverse Film Festival last year. Um, And they made this short film essentially with everything from the kit, except that they didn't use the handy cam, they used an iPhone. So we thought that would be like a really good film to kind of launch the website with because it's like this is what you can do. It was made very quickly in the space of a couple of weeks um, and it's a really beautiful story. Um, And it's super simple as well. So hopefully... Yeah, like that kind of also made people feel less intense about mm. having to like do something really complicated. Mm. But sorry, anyway, yeah. cut you off. Um, no, totally, totally agree. Um, and then this month we had a film um, which was made by Tough, Hannah and... No, Tough, Hazel, Hazel and Daniel. And Daniel. Um, and it was made over three years ago, shot in New York City, and it's a, sort of looking at the effects of state violence on the bodies of neurodi- neurodivergent women of colour in New York City. Um, and uh, it's a really amazing film. I think the reason Emmett wanted to program it, it was his suggestion was, you know, um, I guess this stuff is so topical still at the moment with all the Black Lives Matter stuff happening. And, um, yeah, and that this film was made three years ago, but it is still really pertinent. And, um, yeah, it was... Um, not made with the kit but it definitely employs like a lot of um, resourceful approaches to its subject matter so yeah that will and be- Tuffy is a local maker as well and I think Tuffy not only yeah did exceptionally well in making acting erratically but also if you go to their Vimeo they also have like um, content that was shot five years ago or seven years ago about like the Flemington flats and like it's eerie how relevant that is like all this short documentary that they made about Flemington flats is in light of like the flats that just got locked down you know like yeah reason why um we thought that we kind of like point towards Tufts work yeah 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 um so yeah the that's the film at the moment it'll change in a month I guess the idea more long term is that people will start to pick up the equipment and make work which can can then get sort of celebrated and platformed on the website yeah we have it I think with all of the stuff that's going on with COVID at the moment we haven't had heaps of people inquiring about 
borrowing the equipment, but we've had a lot of interest from people who are wanting to donate and just sort of expressing how great they think the site is um, and how excited they are about it. But yeah, so if people have equipment that they want to donate and the other thing that Emmett and I have been talking about the last few weeks is probably, um, yeah, trying to set up maybe like a postal service so that people can maybe make a series of like films in isolation. Um, and that might be something that we're able to set up. So if anyone is listening and interested in um, getting their hands on some gear, definitely send us an email and, and we can um, have a think about ways that we can work around the COVID restrictions as well. Uh, there's a couple of things I was going to ask you before we finish up because there's, uh, it's a great idea that you've got. Um, it's nice. So I take my hat off to you. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, the, um, the name, it's got a, a meaning. Tell me about the meaning of the name. Why uh, you chose Too Much World. Yeah, uh, we debated a lot about it. Um, it's, it's always hard to name things. The hardest part. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think we cycled through scavenger rentals, rat rentals at one point, um, a whole bunch of other ones. Yeah, it got a bit ridiculous. I quite like scavenger rentals. Yeah. <laughs> I like that uh, combination of letters. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, it was really nice. It, yeah, it, um, that, that one probably was uh, the biggest competitor for Too Much World. Um, but we decided to go with Too Much World because there's a great essay um, out there um, called Too Much World by um, a film academic um, called Hito Sterile. And I was also gifted that book of essays. And I was like, oh, that's all a bit eerie. And so much of the essays in that film and Hito's work and theories speak back to this idea of like, pushing the boundaries and creating a real, like, I guess, like, tidal wave of imagery and new stories and things like that. Because, yeah, I think I definitely debated for a little while about, like, you know, as this conversation started, you know, if people um, aren't, you know, film literate or able to tell stories, like, is that valuable? And I think that, uh, yeah, after reading that work, felt that it was really important that um, that there is um, more image out there and more stories out there um, and it's not just from one, yeah, kind of like, yeah, niche, as you said. Yeah, like I guess it's this idea that there's so much world being produced with the, like, proliferation of moving images and the fact that we all have iPhones and, um, you know, everyone is expected to make content for everything. There's so much world being produced and we sort of need these cut-throughs and I think that part of maybe what we're trying to foster with Too Much World is, like, telling stories that are meaningful and can kind of function as, like, a bit of a cut-through um, to all the garb that's kind of floating around. And, and I, I mean, I don't have the answers about how we do that yet, but I think a really good place to start is like telling personal stories and telling stories from the perspective of people who have historically been ignored. And so, yeah, that was kind of what I liked about the link to that essay because, um, yeah, Hito kind of touches on those ideas throughout. So, yeah, there's a link to that essay um, on our Instagram on the website. and on the website as well if people want to have a look at it. The Melbourne um, City Council has given you a little bit of uh, a leg up. Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, so I applied for um, the COVID-19 quick uh, response grants, like the relief grants that came out in March. Um, so, yeah, that was like a 
quite an easy process. They make the applications um, fairly straightforward for that. I don't know if they've got another round open at the moment, but yeah, definitely. I know that a lot of different councils around Melbourne are doing relief for artists um, who would have lost impact, uh, income because of COVID. So I recommend people having a look into it because the applications aren't too tedious. Um, and that, yeah, they gave us uh, two and a half thousand dollars to develop the website and to pay the filmmakers whose work we show um and if we're going to engage with any writers who might do some written responses to the films they'll get paid so it's just a good way to inject a little bit of um money into everyone's pockets who's feeling the financial effects of COVID at the moment but yeah so that was really great that they were able to support the project and I think did give us like the necessary encouragement like Emmett's been talking about this idea for um, I don't know, you've been talking about it for six months or something. And then I think Way more, I when think, the right. money came through, it was like, okay, now we can actually have to do this. And they have been. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness you did. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Thanks for talking to me. Thanks, oh, yeah. and it, I was just going to say, so yeah, if um, there's any filmmakers listening to the program, um, yeah, please hit us up, use the equipment, make films during ISO. Um, you know, I think part of what we're trying to do is like, yeah, don't don't overthink it. Just make something um, quick, quick that is kind of yeah, an honest expression of what's going on for you. And um, yeah, we'd love to support you to do that, and potentially even um, program it on the website as well if um, if that happens. So yeah, get in contact. You can um, email us at too much world rentals at gmail com, or you can follow us on Instagram. Um, and yeah, that's all I think I wanted to say. Perfect. Cool. Thanks so much, Annie. That's it for Showreel this week. Next week, a little departure from Australian film to a French animator with the local release of Swallows in Kabul. Until then, stay safe.
Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.